Hello? Hey, it's a four-way. Is everybody on? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Present. Oh my god, you're never gonna believe what I just heard. Bitch, we need to be in person for this one. I'm on my way. I'll grab the champagne. Perfect. See you guys in ten. Welcome back, toppers. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about Halloween, bitch. It's October 25th today, which means only six days until uh, until madness, honestly. I love Halloween. I love it. So today, the episode is going to be Halloween-themed, in a sense. I know we've already covered some true crime cases, and we will also be doing another one next week, but today, I wanted to do, like, something a little special for the special day, you know what I mean? So, today... We're going to be doing the most horrible crimes committed on Halloween. There are, I believe, 13 of them. And I know that sounds like, holy shit, Jessica, you talk so much every week. But I swear they're so brief. It's just like a paragraph each. It's not like the whole background of all of it and the whole case. It's just, it's a little little brief blurbs, you could say. I'm not going to take up a lot of your time. I want you to go spend that time at a spooky haunted place, a haunted house, getting your Halloween costume ready, making uh, pumpkin pie, I don't know, whatever you do to celebrate Halloween. I want you to spend that with your friends and family and maybe listen to this while you're baking in the background or doing, carving a pumpkin, (laughs) doing something. Shit, do something festive. I don't even care if you hate Halloween, you better be doing something festive. Okay, so we're going to be covering the 13 different little, little crime news, and I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I found this article a while ago, and I saved it for this specific episode, but um, unlike I, normally I'm very prepared for my podcast episodes. I have notes upon notes. Today, the one article, I haven't even read it. I have not read through it at all, so hopefully it goes well. Um, It's going to be a shock to you as it is a shock for me, so this is the first time I'm hearing all these two. I kind of wanted to be surprised, give myself a nice little Halloween present, you could say. I don't know. Let's just get into it because I'm being weird. Okay, the first one is titled, Poisoning of Timothy O'Brien. While the vast majority of Halloween scare stories about razor blades and apples or poisoned candy are either urban legend or moral panics, one story is unfortunately completely true. Eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien had a packet of pixie sticks given to him by his father Ronald to cap off his trick-or-treating. He perished less than an hour later. The tragic event sent the O'Brien's small Texas town into a panic and the police determined that the pixie stick that Timothy ate was laced with cyanide. When Ronald's story kept changing, police began investigating him. They found him to be deeply in debt and that he'd taken out massive life insurance policies on his children. Police found that the other children had also been given candy by Ronald but hadn't eaten it. Ronald O'Brien was found guilty of murder and was executed in 1984. Oh my god. I am shook. Who would do that to their own kids? Oh my god. Thank god those other kids didn't eat that shit. That's so sad. Where did he even get cyanide? I hate people. These are the people who should not have children. Ugh. Okay, next one. Murders of Leslie Mazzara. Mazera, another day, another episode where I can't pronounce a name. I think it's Mazera. And Adrian Insogna. Insonia? 
I don't know. It's kind of looking like a last name, like where Bologna spelled Bologna, but it's not pronounced Bologna. It's pronounced Bologna. So I, I don't know what this lady's last name is. So we're just going to roll with it. So late on Halloween night in 2004, roommates, I'm just going to call them by their first name because I cannot pronounce their last names. Leslie and Adrian went to bed after handing out candy. A third roommate, Lauren, was woken up at 1 a.m. by the sound of a scuffle. Not knowing what was happening, she ran in terror from the house. When the coast was clear, she ran back upstairs and found both of her roommates dead. Throughout the investigation, FBI agents found cigarette buds near the scene of the crime that matched blood evidence inside the house, but found no known matches in any DNA database. Officers and FBI agents spoke to nearly a thousand persons of interest during the investigation, including one of Adrian's friends, Lily. Her husband, Eric Koppel, Koppel? became a person of interest during the investigation when he began avoiding the police. Nearly a year after the crime, Koppel turned himself in and confessed to the crime. At the time of the crime, Koppel was only engaged to the friend of one of his victims and carried on with the wedding, thinking he was in the clear. This quote from Adrian's mother, Arlene Allen, gives a chilling insight into a slayer who thought he got away with it. Quote, you are the man who was so cruel as to invite me, the mother of the woman you murdered, to stand up for you at your wedding, to read scripture for you of love and death, and to bless your union, end quote. That's so sad. Okay, the next one. Lisk Family Murders. On Halloween 2010, Ohio teenager Devin Griffin returned home from Sunday church services to find his brother Derek, mother Susan, and Susan's new husband, William Lisk, murdered. Devin was so traumatized, he could only say that the scene was like something out of a haunted house. The culprit was found to be William Lisk's son from a previous marriage, William Lisk Jr., who had a history of schizophrenia and aggression. Lisk was later picked up and pleaded guilty to all three murders. He took his own life in prison in 2015. Next, murder of Carl Jackson. Bronx resident Carl Jackson was a 21-year-old data entry clerk at Morgan Stanley. On Halloween night in 1998, Jackson went with his girlfriend to pick up her young son from a party. While there, some teenagers threw eggs at their car, but the classic Halloween prank soon turned ugly. Jackson got out of the car, exchanged words with the teens, and got back in the car. Then, one of the teens pulled out a sidearm and shot Jackson, ending his life instantly. Police soon arrested 17-year-old Curtis Sterling for the crime. Jesus. All this happened on Halloween. All of these happened on Halloween. That's like, why would you ruin the best day of the year? Really? Honestly? Well, first of all, don't do it, but if you're gonna do it, pick a different day. No, just don't do it. Don't listen to me. Just don't do it. Okay, the next one's called The Woodbridge Abductions. In 2009, three teenage girls were abducted by a man on their way home from trick-or-treating in Woodbridge, Virginia. All three were taken at gunpoint to a wooded area and two were sexually assaulted. The third girl was able to call her mother, causing the man to flee. Police arrested Aaron Thomas, who was already a suspect in numerous sexual assault cases since the 1990s. Thomas pleaded guilty to the crime in 2012. The next one is called Yoshihiro Hattori. I'm so sorry. I'm definitely pronouncing that name wrong. So Yoshihiro Hattori was a Japanese exchange student living in Baton Rouge as part of the American Field Service Program. On Halloween night, 1992, Hattori and the young son of his host family went to a Halloween party for AFS students. Unfamiliar with the neighborhood where the party was, the boys rang the doorbell of the wrong house. When they got no answer, they started walking back to the car. The owner of the home, Rodney Pierce, 
then opened the door armed with a 44 Magnum. Hattori turned around and said, we're here for the party, claiming he feared for his life and that the exchange student was scary. Pierce shot Hattori, ending his life. Only when both of the governor of Louisiana and the Japanese consulate got involved was Pierce arrested, after which he was acquitted of manslaughter. What the fuck? He should not have been acquitted. Off with their heads. Oh, that's why I'm not a judge. <laughs> okay, next. Ooh, the next one in the picture looks very familiar. He looks very familiar to me, and he's gonna sound very familiar to you if you know anything about true crime. Okay, next is called Murders of Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman. Sometime in the early hours of Halloween of 1981, Manhattan couple Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman were slain in their Chelsea apartment. The couple was severely beaten before being shot execution style with the apartment completely ransacked. New York police initially believed drug money would be the motive, but when the case took a turn for the bazaar, a prison informant claimed that one of his fellow inmates had predicted the crimes weeks before it actually happened. The inmate turned out to be the son of Sam killer, David Berkowitz. Berkowitz had long been rumored to be involved with a satanic cult that helped him with some of his misdeeds. According to the informant, Berkowitz had told him that his cult was planning to enter the residence near Greenwich Village on Halloween to carry out a ritual slaying. When questioned, Berkowitz claimed that Sisman had footage of one of the Son of Sam's shootings and was planning to hand it over to the authorities in exchange for dropping some controlled substance charges. While no evidence was found to support Berkowitz's claim, he was basically right about the description of Sisman's apartment. The crime is still unsolved. Next one. I don't know what number we're on, but we're on the next one. Pasadena gang shootings. On Halloween night, 1993, a group of five Pasadena gang members opened fire on trick-or-treating teenagers returning from a party, killing three and wounding three others. The gang members were soon arrested and police determined they had fired at the wrong people. Three bloods were found guilty in the crime. Next, murder of Peter Fabiano. Los Angeles hairstylist Peter Fabiano was slain on Halloween night, 1957. He opened his door for what he thought was a trick-or-treater, but was actually a grown-up in a costume. The adult shot Fabiano in the chest with a 22 in a brown paper bag before fleeing the scene. Several weeks later, Goldine Peaser and Joan Rabel were arrested in what turned out to be a deftly plotted crime of passion. Pitzer... Peaser? I don't know what, I don't know what the fuck his name is. <laughs> Peaser was friends or possibly in a relationship with Rabble and Rabble was also apparently in love with Fabiano's wife, Betty. The two women conspired to get Peter out of the equation and Rabble bought a sidearm for Pitzer to shoot Peter with. The arrests kicked off a firestorm of lurid coverage as lesbians were seen as abnormal monsters with dangerous urges. The two pleaded guilty and served long prison terms. Next, Taylor Van Deist murder. On Halloween 2011, Taylor Van Deist was leaving a party in the small town of Armstrong, Canada. She never came home and was found beaten to death near a set of railroad tracks. The event traumatized the town, especially after it was revealed that she'd sent a text to her boyfriend before the attack saying she was being creeped on. Police eventually used DNA found under Taylor's fingernails to arrest Matthew Forrester for carrying out the deed and his father, Stephen, for helping him cover it up. Jesus. Next, murder of Marvin Brandland, I think. Fort Dodge, Iowa resident Marvin Brandland and his wife were handing out candy to trick-or-treaters in 1982 when a man wearing a mask came to the door. He said, trick-or-treat, give me your money or I'll shoot you. 
The Brandlins thought it was a Halloween prank and tried to remove the man's mask. Instead, he barged into the house and pulled out a sidearm, demanding that the couple give him the money that they had stashed in their basement safe. Marvin made a grab for the masked man's gun, and the robber shot Marvin in the throat. He then ran away, but left the mask behind. In the years that followed, Marvin's wife perished, and the mask was tested for DNA evidence. As virtually nobody knew about the safe, suspicion fell on the Brandlin family, and a family member did brag about committing the robbery, but there's never been enough evidence to charge him. Wow. Who would do that to their own family member? I mean, who would do it, period, but like, come on. Loyalty. Next, death of Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins was a 21-year-old student at the University of Minnesota who was last seen leaving a downtown Minneapolis bar on Halloween night in 2002. Four months later, his body was discovered in the Mississippi River, still wearing his Halloween costume. Since Chris was intoxicated that night and he appeared to have drowned, authorities initially believed his demise was either an accident or self-inflicted. But his parents refused to believe this and pressed for a more thorough investigation. Finally, in 2006, the death was reclassified as a homicide. Police claimed that an incarcerated suspect told them he was present when Chris was slain, then thrown off the bridge into the river. While the story is credible, there has never been enough evidence to file charges. However, one possible theory is that Chris Jenkins could have been a victim in the mysterious and unsolved smiley face murders. These bizarre killings involved approximately 40 male college students in the United States who all drowned. In some of these cases, unexplained smiley face graffiti was found near the body of water where the targets turned up. While no smiley face graffiti was ever found in connection to Chris Jenkins' death, the scenario does have a number of similarities to the killings. It remains unsolved. And then we're on the last one. Disappearance of Cindy Song. Penn State student Cindy Song disappeared after leaving a party on Halloween night 2001. She'd been dropped off at her apartment and had gone inside, but nobody saw her after that, and no trace of her has ever been found. The case has taken a number of bizarre twists, and for a while, the investigation focused on a man named Hugo Marcus Selinsky. Selinsky had been arrested after five corpses were found in his backyard. Oh my god. A police informant linked Selinsky and another man to Cindy claiming the duo had kidnapped, raped, and murdered her. To make things even weirder, the other man named in the kidnapping was found dead in Selinsky's backyard. More bodies have been found there, but none have been proven to be Cindy, and the case remains open. Holy shit. Oh my god. Wow. I should have read them first. <laughs> Why was I not prepared for any of that? Jesus Christ. Well, that was all that the article said. I still think you should have the time of your life on Halloween. That shouldn't scare you. <laughs> still go to parties. I mean, safely, like, as long as everyone's vaccinated and you, you know what I mean? Do it safely. Um, but, like, do some fun things on Halloween, please. Don't end up on one of these articles, but do some fun things on Halloween. For me, personally, I'll tell you a little story time. I'll tell you a little story time. <laughs> okay. Look quick, quickly. So the only thing strange that ever happened to me on Halloween that I can think of off the top of my head right now, I hate saying this because I have no proof. I have no proof that this man is actually a creep. Since I've grown up, he's he's been very nice. We had this guy in my neighborhood who moved in when the house was built. I don't... I don't know how old I was when that street, like I live on a street that's kind of shaped like an H, if that makes sense. So like I live on one street, it was the original street and then the middle of the H was made next and then the last of the H was made last. Does that make sense? So I was in my house a few years before that street was made and that house was put up with that guy in it, right? Does that make sense? Okay. 
So the year, I think I was in seventh grade and two of my friends and I went trick-or-treating around my neighborhood. Yeah. And we went to his house and he was just giving me really creepy vibes. Like he was asking us if we wanted to come inside. Um, he was like saying, oh yeah, you want to come see my other dogs? Like, cause one of the dogs had ran to the door and he was just being really creepy. And now we all refer, not all, my mom and I, he's so nice. I don't even know if I'm going to include this. God forbid he ever listens to this. He's really nice now, but like low key, if I ever go missing, he's one of the suspects. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the only weird thing that's ever happened to me. I got like abduction vibes from him, but you never know. He could just be a nice man. I don't fucking know. That was all. I, I gotta end. I gotta go. I gotta go. That's it. I'm not even gonna, I'm gonna leave it on that. I'm gonna leave it on that. I'm not even gonna say the outro I normally do. You know what to do. Leave me a comment. <laughs> DM me. Whatever. Goodbye. Have a nice Halloween, people. Love ya.